The Outside World is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute tickets up to 60% off. It's not about what the outside world thinks, it's about what does, you know, what do you have in that room and the best man wins and you give everybody a shot at it. The outside world doesn't see the summer workout on a Monday morning. They don't see that progress, but, but we as coaches do. Well, regardless of what the outside world thinks, we, we believe a lot in our defense. Welcome back. Another edition of the Outside World starts right now. I'm John Hayes. Of course, follow me on Twitter at John Hayes on air and make sure you follow. And more importantly, make sure you follow Jason Kersey at Jason Kersey on Twitter as well. He's our Oklahoma beat writer at The Athletic. Jason, it is the day after Oklahoma was selected for the third straight year to make the college football playoff. That in and of itself is a great accomplishment for this program. Sure it is, Uh, and it's something that, honestly, I didn't think was possible uh, following the Kansas State game, and I I have to own that. I mean, I honestly thought that it might have been a fatal blow when they lost to Kansas State the way they lost, um, losing to that team, um, the way that they played, all of those things, I sort of thought it might be a fatal blow to their chances of making the playoff, and I was wrong about that. And so um, now, in order for this to happen, a lot of things had to happen right. It's kind of crazy The if you just think about all the things that had to happen and fall their way, I mean, between um, – you know, Arizona State beating Oregon because if Oregon has one loss and beats Utah the way they did the other night, they're probably in. Um, you know, Gus Malzahn tricking Nick Saban the way he did on that punt thing. Um, you know, just all those little things that sort of happened. The the call at the end of the first half of the Iron Bowl. Um, uh, you know, just all those things that sort of broke the Sooners way and I'm not suggesting OU doesn't deserve to be there at all I'm just saying that's college football man like you got to have some luck especially when you have a loss you're exactly right and the committee kind of tipped its hand when when Oklahoma lost they dropped him significantly Uh, they showed a lack of respect I thought but uh, when you looked at the teams ahead of them I think we noted that there was a possible path but you're correct that path was was difficult. It was unlikely, and and here we are today. Um, if you want to read Jason, you can do that on the Athletic. I'm looking at one of his stories right now, and uh, the headline is "Why Oklahoma is the Playoff Afterthought and Why There Is Reason to Believe in the Sooners." Let me start first uh, about the afterthought comment because Sooners fans, you're going to be able to go. Everywhere for the next three months, ESPN, Fox, CBS, anywhere you want. And this program is going to be an afterthought and people are going to be talking about who LSU is matched up with uh, in the national championship game, Ohio State or Clemson. Uh, Do you think that's fair? Uh, Where do we go from here, Jason, in regards to realistically considering Oklahoma 
as a team that can beat LSU. Yeah, I mean, is it fair? Uh, I kind of think it is. I mean, I I don't uh, mean to knock OU in any way, and and that's certainly not my intention here. But, I mean, look, let's be honest, John. If the college football playoff committee could have created a three-team playoff this year, they probably would have. Um, Clemson, LSU, and Ohio State are all undefeated. They've all been dominant for most of the season. Uh, they, they've all uh, looked spectacular. They've all looked national championship caliber um, in terms of the way that they performed. And uh, somebody had to take that number four spot. It's not like the college football playoff uh, contract allows for them to fluctuate on the number of teams that are invited. They have to invite four. And somebody had to be that number four team. And it's Oklahoma. And they're in. And anything can happen. Uh, I don't think that it's impossible to envision them beating LSU by any stretch. But there's no question that, um, that you know, LSU and Ohio State wanted to be number one. Uh, because they wanted to play OU. I mean, I I don't think they'll ever admit that, but I think that's probably the truth. They would much rather play OU in the semifinal than uh, than play Clemson. And uh, you know, maybe that's to their uh, maybe they'll regret uh, hoping for that. But I think that's that's sort of the case. And um, I mean, you just look at uh, Oklahoma's flaws that they've shown over the last few months. Um, the way that they aren't scoring points the way that they once did. I mean, that's indisputable. They they uh, they used to just sort of be a given that they'd have 500 yards and 45 or 50 points a game. And uh, the last month, um, you know, they they haven't even reached 40 uh, since the Iowa State game. So uh, this is not the same formidable, scary Oklahoma offense that it once was. And I know that I'm triggering you right now by saying this, but that's because of the quarterback. You're spoiled, man. I mean, I don't know what else to say. And and you're rightfully spoiled as well as Oklahoma fans because you got to sit there in Norman and watch Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray win the Heisman Trophy and throw the ball better than most quarterbacks in the country. And now you're sitting there and you're watching Jalen Hurts, who is not as uh, an accomplished passer as those two guys, and it's a drastic change. So I, I get it from that point of view, but if you, but if you take Baker and Kyler out of the mix – and you forget about those guys and what they looked like and, and what they accomplished at Oklahoma, and you keep the blinders on for one season, and you recognize that Jalen Hurts ran for over 1,200 yards, this guy does it in maybe different ways. I, and I tweeted something yesterday just to put it into perspective how impressive that many rushing yards is. Najee Harris, Alabama's running back, he didn't have 1,200 yards of rushing this year. He, he just didn't. And he's considered one of the best running backs in college football. Jalen Hurts had more rushing yards than him. So, while yes, we're going to sit there on, on Saturday all year long, and we have, and we've, we've seen Jalen Hurts throw the football and now throw interceptions and he's fumbling. Turnovers, to me, are his, are his number one issue right now. But as far as running the ball is concerned, let's sit here and talk about how this Oklahoma team has the, the potential to go to Atlanta and just run the football down LSU's throat. It's something that Georgia couldn't do. And the reason why is because DeAndre Swift, who, by the way, is another great running back in the SEC, also didn't have 1,200 rushing yards this year, the amount that Jalen Hurts did. So when you think about it from that perspective, and you take Jalen Hurts, you take Ramondre Stevenson, and you take Kennedy Brooks, and you have a three-headed monster in that backfield, I mean – why doesn't anybody give Oklahoma a chance in this football game? I, I don't understand it. We've been sitting and talking about LSU's defense. Listen, Jason, I think Oklahoma's in a really good spot. 
I do. And the reason why I think that is because LSU's defense has been the issue all year long. And then all of a sudden, against a banged-up Georgia, LSU looks great. And trust me, I covered Georgia all year long, Jason. I am getting fired up. You did trigger me. Georgia was a shell of itself in the SEC championship game. Literally, we're walking wounded. I take nothing from that football game. They were playing with fourth-string wide receivers, and their running back was injured. What do you expect when you have a football team banged up like that in a football game? It's not going to look good. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Completely. And, and I agree. Uh, if you read my piece, I, I agree that uh, OU running the ball is how they're going to have a chance to beat LSU. I mean, uh, you know, LSU's run defense for the season as a whole doesn't look so bad. But then I, I look at that Ole Miss game when, you know, Ole Miss rushed for 400 yards against them. And if OU can tap into what Ole I would imagine that Ole Miss would, uh, would pardon me, that Oklahoma would be capable of doing what Ole Miss did. Uh, and if they are, uh, then I think they're going to have a lot of success on offense. But what I'm saying is, is that uh, you know the best version of OU right now is is a grinded out sort of running offense. Occasionally a big play to CD Lamb uh, in the receiving uh, in the in the passing game and and keeping Joe Burrow off the field. That is a, that's how they're going to win. That's how they that's how they would have to play in order to have a chance to win. Is my point. Um, but you know there the, my I. Maybe Oklahoma people are just spoiled, but uh, it, it's a fact that they are not the same explosive offense that they were the last three years. It's just a fact, and that's not a that's not even a knock on Jalen Hurts. It's just the truth. It is the truth, it's, and it's because of the passing game, like point blank. Like Jalen Hurts can't throw the football as well as Baker and Kyler, therefore the passing attack is is not as good, but. They do have a receiver that maybe as good is as good as as someone like a D.D. Westbrook. And you mentioned him, C.D. Lamb, who, by the way, I really, 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 really like when Lincoln Riley gets him involved in the run game as well. Um, when you're having trouble getting him the football in the passing attack, hand him the ball as well. I mean, talk about uh, C.D. Lamb, Jason, and, and your takeaway because that play on Saturday in the Big 12 championship game – uh, to start things off down the left sideline, uh, he was highlighted there. He was important at the end of the game as well in the crunch time. Jalen Hurts really relied on him. You could tell uh, he had the blinders on when a passing play was called. He he needed to find CeeDee Lamb. How how good is he compared to D.D. Westbrook? That's what I want to know first and foremost. Well, it's so hard to compare um, these guys. I mean, I I think – I think C.D. Lamb is the best receiver in OU football history, and uh, I think that and I think that because of what because of his combination of size, strength, vision, speed, um, agility, all of those things, he is just a freak. And uh, he's going to if he gets to the right NFL team, he's going to be a star. If he has the right quarterback, that guy is going to be a star. And um, you know, if he had Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray this year. He probably would have 1,500 yards receiving, and uh, I, I think that's probably also true. But um, but here's the thing. He's probably – well, I don't know about probably. He still has a really good chance to win the Blitnikoff. I know I voted for him uh, for the Blitnikoff, so I don't know if he's going to win it, but uh, I think that he has a very good chance uh, to win the Blitnikoff this year. I, I, D.D. Westbrook was an amazing player. I mean, he was a Heisman Trophy finalist, which is, you don't see often for receivers. Um, that, that That's another point, that if, if – 
if C.D. Lamb had one of the last two quarterbacks, he might be a Heisman Trophy finalist this year. I totally agree. Um, and, and and that in and of itself, Jason, is another reason why I think people are sleeping on Oklahoma. Listen, this is the college football playoff semifinal. And I know there's been some some games that, that were not competitive. Um, and honestly, the majority of these, these semifinal games have, have not been that competitive. So I think there's a reason why it's easy to just today on one of those national networks just go up there and say, LSU's going to roll Oklahoma. Who are they going to face, Clemson or Ohio State? That's how the narrative is set. But I think Oklahoma is in a really, really interesting spot to take advantage of the disrespect. You're talking about a player who's now in the college football playoff for his fourth straight season. There is experience. You're talking about a head coach who's been on the biggest stage. I mean, going back to, to the Rose Bowl. Uh, with Baker Mayfield against Georgia in that semifinal game. I know it was a loss, and I know last year was a loss as well against Alabama in the Orange Bowl. You have to think that in the back of Lincoln Riley's mind, he's saying, not again. I am not going to the playoff and losing again to an SEC team. Yeah, I mean, it's the third. Yeah, that is also interesting. It's third straight year. Third straight different SEC opponent that you're playing in the uh, in the semifinals, but um, you know OU was so close to beating Georgia that first year. I mean they were so close, painfully close to beating Georgia and playing Alabama in the national title game. And if they do, I think they would have won that national title game. I think they beat that Alabama team with quarterbacked by Jalen Hurts. Um, I, I, I think they win that one. So they were painfully close there. Uh, last year wasn't as much because the defense was so much worse than it was the year before. And it was bad the year before, but it was so much worse last year. So um, I, 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 it's so interesting to think about this. This Oklahoma team might be the most complete Oklahoma team that they've had, uh, you know, at least in the last three years. And it's the one that we all sort of feel like has the least chance to win the whole the whole shebang. But I would also say, you know, I think it's important to note that two number four seeds have won the national championship in this system. Ohio State in 2014, Alabama in 2017. So it's not unthinkable that a number four seed could win it. Do you know what Ohio State did when they went down to the Sugar Bowl and they played Alabama in that semifinal game when they won the national championship? They ran it down their throats, Jason. And that's what Oklahoma needs to do in this Peach Bowl. I mean, literally, uh, let's not overthink it, right? Uh, do you think Lincoln? Do you think there's any chance Lincoln Riley gets inside his own head and comes up with a poor game plan, or does he see the writing on the wall and, and does he rush the ball fifty times? I think he does get inside his own head a decent amount. I think that happens um, to him. I think uh, there are times when you can sort of see it, but when he sort of sticks to what they're best at, uh, which is running the ball. Um, and, and when the run game is more balanced, you know, the reason that they lost or a big reason they lost that Kansas state game is because they ran the ball a lot, but with Jalen hurts, Jalen hurts, didn't give the ball to Kennedy Brooks at all. And Kennedy Brooks had three rushes in that game. 
And uh, ever since that game, I don't, you know, they'll never probably admit it, but I think that there was some sort of meeting or some sort of, hey, we, you need to give the ball to Kennedy Brooks more because since that Kansas State game, Kennedy Brooks has been a lot more involved and it's made a huge difference. I mean, I think um, that's something I want to do uh, during this uh, during this run-up is I want to look at the number of times they're running with Kennedy Brooks on first down because that is like their go-to first down play now, and it works really well. And you know you're going to have a, a, a lot of scouting involved here. I mean, you're going up against an SEC program that then has – Edwards Ron probably has 50 GAs right now hold up in the basement of, of Death Valley – of, of Tiger Stadium, watching all of those zone read handoffs between Jalen Hurts and, and between Kennedy Brooks. Uh, it, it's so difficult because I think if this game was being played on uh, this weekend, Jason, I think the line would be a little bit less. Um, you know, Obviously, LSU coming off a huge matchup against Georgia in the SEC championship. They've got, the, they've got three weeks to get right, and – and I think that can be a bit of an issue. I think with and both programs, don't get me wrong, Oklahoma has the ability to just throw a bunch of GAs in the room and, and prep for LSU as well. Um, so I think when you do have a matchup between uh, two teams who are not equal, uh, the more time that you put between the games, it favors the team that's better. So if I do have one concern, it's that. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. I mean, I think we sort of saw that play out last year uh, in the Orange Bowl. I, I, there, it's, I, I've wondered before, you know, if, if they could go right from the Big 12 championship game into that Alabama game, if maybe, uh, you know, Oklahoma would have had a better chance, or at least they wouldn't have gotten, you know, off to such a terrible start in that first quarter. Uh, you know, maybe they could have carried some momentum into that uh, Orange Bowl rather than have to wait three or four weeks, whatever it was. Um, but when you give Nick Saban that kind of time, you know, that, that's going to that, that that makes a pretty big difference. But, um, you know, I, is, is it the same for LSU? I don't know. I mean, LSU is a really good team. And Joe Burrow, it's crazy because in the past you look at uh, quarterbacks. The Big 12 has had most of the best quarterbacks, right? This is a sort of rare instance where the best quarterback they're going to see all year is the guy they're going to play in this bowl game, and he's from the SEC. I mean, he is uh, – uh, I mean, I guess that was kind of the case last year with Tua. Uh, but, but I mean, it's again with, with Burrow. Burrow's go- going to win the Heisman Trophy this weekend. I don't think there's any um, – there's absolutely no drama about that. <laughs> Joe Burrow's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Um but uh, you know, so I, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. There's no doubt about it. This is gonna be a really tough game for Oklahoma. Although I do have to give a shout out to uh, from the OU student paper, George Stoya, who said, you know, the one thing to look for, you know, one good thing for OU. Uh, he said this on Twitter is that the last two Heisman Trophy winners have lost in the first round of the playoffs. So there could be a trend, and we'll find out uh, in Atlanta. And we're going to talk about this game a lot uh, as we roll on the next three weeks. You can expect. Um, a fresh episode of The Outside World, um, two episodes uh, of The Outside World each week uh, leading into this this massive matchup. And um, while I have you here today, I did not want to just completely ignore uh, your trip to, to Jerry World and the Big 12 championship game. So um, while we spun forward to start the show, because I think that's the biggest story, you know, as we sit here and we record on a Monday afternoon, we're looking ahead to the playoff. You know, LSU and Oklahoma, the matchup is set. And I think we did a really nice job of addressing kind of the introduction uh, to this matchup. But if we're able to go back uh, to overtime 
against Baylor. What was the feeling like in that building? It must have been tense. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was very tense. I mean, Baylor is a good team, and I and I I do wonder what would have happened if Baylor had found a way to uh, to eke that out. If they would have made the playoff, or if they would have you know, stuck uh, Georgia or Oregon in there. I, I really would hope that they would have put Baylor in because I think they would have deserved it. But, um, you know, Oklahoma, it was so crazy. They were in control of that game or it felt like it for the first half, but then they went into halftime losing by three points because, again, Jalen Hurts couldn't hold on to the ball and he threw an interception. I mean, those two things caught, uh, led directly to 10 Baylor points. And uh, all of a sudden, that game was a lot closer than it should have been. And then the real crazy thing was, oh, you took retook control of the game in the third quarter. Matt Rule goes to his third string quarterback, a, a true freshman who had been working at safety on the scout team the week leading up to this game, and he throws an 81 yard touchdown, I think, on his second play. And then, uh, then uh, you know, a little bit later in the in the quarter, he throws a 78 yard pass <clears throat> that sets up a field goal. And uh, the only reason that they didn't score on that and then take the lead is because Trey Brown chased him down, uh, you know, kicked into high gear and chased him down and caught him um, and forced a field goal. But the crazy thing was you take a, I, and I always hate it when people say, oh, if you know, if you take away this play or that play, then they only gave up this many yards. I know that that's a stupid way to look at football, um, but I guess I'm going to do it here because if you take away those two plays, I mean, those two plays alone accounted for over half of Baylor's total offensive yards in the game. And so it's like, on the whole, the defense actually played really well, um, played really well, but they had a couple of busts, and that, that sort of uh, allowed Baylor to hang around. That and Jalen Hurts' inability to hold on to the ball sort of allowed Baylor to hang around in a game where they really shouldn't, it shouldn't have been closer than two touchdowns probably. In the SEC, the, the line of scrimmage is so important, and – Within that conference, if you struggle, especially on the defensive line of scrimmage, uh, you're going to lose football games. And what, what was your reaction to the defensive line's performance against Baylor? It was great. I mean, they were outstanding. Neville Gallimore, uh, Ronnie Perkins, and then especially Jalen Redmond. You know, redshirt freshman. I mean, this guy has been through so much. Jalen Redmond has been through so much. We're talking about you know, one of the – top recruits that OU signed in the 2018 class was really expected to come in and and be a big contributor uh, right out of the gate and then he had this blood clot issue that that uh, that held him out then he was able to come back in the middle of his true freshman season played two or three games blood clot issue comes back he has to sit out the rest of the time didn't participate in spring much wasn't really around much until uh, wasn't really participating much until fall camp and this is a guy who's had a really nice season, but he was an animal out there on on Saturday in, in the Big 12 championship game. He was unbelievable. I mean, he, uh, you know, his two plays there at the end, at the end of overtime, were just, uh, were were remarkable. Third and fourth down. I mean, he, he he's starting to look like the Jalen Redmond we all thought he could be when he signed. And, I mean, I think he is going to be a great player, uh, a great player for Oklahoma. If, there, if there's one unit on either side of the ball that I would circle uh, that could win or lose this game against LSU, I would circle the defensive line. You know, what you saw Saturday 
in the SEC championship game, Georgia, Georgia changed, and Kirby Smart did this, changed its scheme to defend Joe Burrow. And what they did is they played a, a cover five defense where they put a bunch of uh, players out in the secondary and only rushed three and four guys all game long. Really didn't blitz Joe Burrow. And what happened? He sat back there. He found his receivers, and he took off running whenever there was a lane for him. So I think Georgia and Kirby Smart did Oklahoma uh, a favor on Saturday. And now you can, if you are Alex Grinch, take a look at that game plan and say to yourself, hmm, that's probably not the best idea for us. Um, So trial and error on the defensive side of football is always interesting. And if that defensive line is playing well, and you do bring the blitz from the linebacker position, it could look a lot different. And Joe Burrow could be forced to maybe make a few errant throws, turn the football over, or at least not run for for first downs. Because as much as we've talked about Jalen Hurts' running ability, Joe Burrow has the ability to run as well. So that's why specifically I asked you about that unit. How about the secondary? You know, we know Buki Radley-Hiles. He's a guy that that I've, you know, fell head over heels for, especially after your profile early in the year. He seems to be playing well. How about about how about his um, fellow – uh, teammates in the secondary well yeah I mean first of all Parnell Motley uh cornerback who's been rightfully criticized a lot during his career for you know some of his uh, lesser performances uh has been outstanding down the stretch here and uh he he completely shut down Denzel Mims who's one of the best receivers in the Big 12 conference did nothing against Oklahoma and that's because of Parnell Motley so uh he's been outstanding um, I mean, we're talking about a team, John, that last year was a, was dead last, was 130th in the FBS in pass defense, dead last. And this year, yes. they're not even close to that. I don't, I should, while we're sitting here recording, but I don't have it right in front of me what they are, but I know that they're not dead last. They're playing a lot better um, in, in the secondary. Buki has definitely played a lot better uh, of the over the last few games. Uh, Pat Fields and Delarian Turner Yell have both been pretty well done pretty well at the safety spots. Trey Brown is has, has been sort of hit or miss. He's been hot and cold at that other corner spot, but obviously he made the game saving play, uh, and, and it was on a huge seventy eight yard pass. But him chasing down that guy saved saved the game and the playoff Agreed. spot for Oklahoma. Um, so I mean they're playing well, you know. But again, they have not seen a quarterback like Joe Burrow this year, and uh, I I would also say I don't think they've seen a, a receiver like Jamar Chase this year and so and Jamar Chase isn't the only good receiver that LSU has by the way so I think that those are uh, those are certainly things that uh, that that would be somewhat concerning but I mean it's so crazy man we're I to, to go big picture here Oklahoma is in the playoff because of their defense and I would never in a million years have expected that if you told me that a year ago today that Oklahoma, would be in the playoff because of their defense. The 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 interception on the two point conversion against Iowa State, um, the way they held TCU down, um, and and basically helped win that game when when Jalen Hurts uh, had a couple of turnovers. The way they played in Stillwater, um, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, the way they played against Texas in the Cotton Bowl. The the defense is a is is one of if not the reason why Oklahoma is in the playoff, and that is shocking, and that 
is a testament to what Alex Grinch has done. And I said it, I wrote it um, last week. It is it is crazy to me that Alex Grinch is not a finalist for the Broyles Award, which goes to the best assistant coach in the in the country. Um, and I I'm a, a voter on that award, and I. Uh, I, I love the award, and I love David Basil, who I know that you know, who who runs it. He's a super, super guy, well, a good friend. But, man, I cannot believe the other voters didn't put Alex Grinch as a finalist for this thing. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, if there's a unit in football that should get the most improved award, it is the Oklahoma defense, and I don't think there's any unit across the board. And, hey, anywhere hey we love you, Baz. We love you if you're listening. Yeah, Baz is the man. We, we love the, we love the Baz, but you know, snubbing Alex Grinch in this Oklahoma defense, probably not the best best look for the Broyles Award, to say the least. I, I completely and completely agree with you. You know, Jason, you know, I'm a huge fan of of EPL soccer, and there's a a thing called new manager bump in that league, and there has been historically a a quick trigger finger in English Premier League soccer to fire managers because what happens is when a new man comes in and he shares a new message, all of a sudden the morale changes and the players want to play for a new voice. They feel free. They feel liberated. And I've got a feeling that's what happened when Mike Stoops left the program. I have a feeling that these players looked at each other and said, man, I'm glad that guy is gone. Yeah, I I mean it's hard to argue with that. I mean well, you'll never get anyone to publicly admit that, but I, I think that's that's probably true, um, and, and I think that happens a lot of places. I mean I think you know you see it you see it uh, with head coaching changes sometimes. You see it um, certainly with coordinator changes. Alex Grinch has reinvigorated the defense. He's made them confident. He's really helped them figure out how to move on from bad plays, how to not let those things linger. Uh, he's found out, he's figured out how to motivate them. Um, Alex Grinch is a future head coach. I don't know where he's going to be a head coach, but he's going to be a head coach at some point. I don't think it'll be this year. Uh, I think a lot of those hires are, are being made right now. And, uh, I think that he wants to hang around in Norman for at least a year or two. He's being very well paid in Norman and I think he likes it in Norman, but, uh, that, that man is a head coach. Uh, and, uh, it'll be very interesting to see kind of where that happens, especially, you know, as, as head coaches, you know, everybody kind of wants the next big offensive hot shot, but Alex Grinch should be a head coach. As you're saying that, my wheels start turning. And can I give you a, a hypothetical situation to react to? Absolutely. I love it. Once Jerry Jones gets around to oh. telling Jason Garrett to get out of town and Lincoln Riley may or may not, Get a phone call. If he does get a phone call and he is interested in that position, would Alex Grinch be considered to maybe get the head job at Oklahoma? Oh, man. Um, that is that is quite the hypothetical. I love it. I love it, by the way. Um, do you, well, first off, do you think I'm off base by putting Lincoln Riley's name anywhere near the Cowboys organization? No, no, no. No, I don't think you're off base. I I don't think he would do it, and, and I and I think uh, I think that for a couple of reasons. I I think 
that the NFL may be someday intriguing to to Lincoln, uh, but I don't know that that will um, necessarily be this year, and I don't know that it's that team. And which is crazy, he's a Texas kid. He grew up in Texas. You sort of would assume that the Dallas Cowboys is the dream job for a coach of his caliber who is who grew up in Texas. But the thing that I, uh, there's a couple things that Lincoln Riley loves about college football. He loves recruiting. He's not like Chip Kelly, who was desperate to get the hell out of college football because he didn't want to recruit anymore. Alex Grinch, or pardon me, Lincoln Riley likes recruiting. And so I, I think that he, you know, I don't know that he wants to give that up. And sort of as a, as a part, a piece of that, he likes recruiting because he likes building his own roster. He likes being in control of his own team. Now, if there's one owner in the NFL who is never going to give you that kind of control, who is it? It's Jerry Jones. Why would he go work for Jerry Jones? It doesn't make any sense. That piece of it makes no sense to me, why he would go work for a for a micromanager guy who's going to be Pardon my language, up his ass all the time, like Jerry Jones will be. I don't think that it, I don't think that 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 uh, computes for Lincoln Riley. So um, now, if Lincoln Riley was was to leave for some other job, I think Alex Grinch would be a candidate. I, I think he would have to be. I think it would sort of. Uh, ma- I think it would make a lot of sense. I think I think the two coaches on staff that would make a lot of sense to sort of be elevated are him and Shane Beamer, given their experience and their success. But um, but yeah, I mean. I went a long time thinking that Dallas Cowboys was a job Lincoln Riley would want until I started thinking more about it. And I just, I think Lincoln Riley really likes having control over his roster. And um, I just don't see him going down there to work for a guy like Jerry Jones. Speaking of coaching changes, um, I, I heard you ran into an old friend after the game down on the field on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, I, I uh, was. Um, you know, kind of walking around during the celebration, saying hello to a few people, and I saw Bob with with his son Drake uh, taking a picture. Uh, you know, Drake uh, Stoops is a walk on receiver for for the Sooners, uh, taking a picture. He was just overjoyed. He looked so happy. He loves being at those games and and uh, rooting them on and stuff. And so I just walked over and I stuck my hand out and said, "Hey, Bob." And he goes, "Hey, Jason, how you doing?" And I said, "Good." And then I said. Um, I'm surprised you're not in Tallahassee. I figured that's where you'd be today. And he laughed and said, oh, did you hear about the one where I'm negotiating with USC, which was another report that came out last week that he had been that he had been negotiating with USC, but the negotiations had fallen apart. And uh, and that's why they kept Clay Helton, which is nonsense. That makes no sense at all. So um, he he was having a good time with it. Oh man, that's great! I'm I'm glad that you got a, a chance to to talk with him directly because, I mean, the, the speculation and the rumors and the reports uh, over the last month or so have been, frankly, nauseating. And uh, you've done an incredible job of uh, putting those those reports in the spotlight and and not letting people, and organizations, and respected media companies get off the hook for that shoddy reporting. Well, it's shameful. <laughs> it, it and and here's the thing, John. It, you know, I I have been a little aggressive with a certain ABC affiliate in Tallahassee, uh, especially. Um, you know, fans are fans. Fans uh, can can get on and speculate and and do those kinds of things on Twitter. That's what that's what fans do, and that's okay. Um, you know, but 
you know, an ABC affiliate should be held to a higher standard than that. And uh, they reported in early November that it was practically a done deal, that he was going to keep Kendall Bryles on as his head coach in waiting, which is complete nonsense for a billion reasons. Um, and they're just sort of moving on from it as if it never happened. They're not going to apologize for it. They're not even going to acknowledge it. And I think that if you make a mistake of that magnitude, at the very least, you owe um, and, and I feel the same way about the guy uh, at, at the Maven side who reported that USC was firing Helton when that wasn't true. Um, and at least he had the guts to apologize for it. I just think that if you're going to make a mistake of that level and not get fired, which I kind of think maybe that is a fireable offense, you should at least apologize to, to everyone because you are you are the reason. Those people are the reason why nobody believes the media. And it's and it's. It's frustrating as hell. So uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm a tad too aggressive on Twitter about some of those things, but uh, I you know I, I feel uh, I feel very strongly about it. I'm glad you do because um, that's why you're hired here and work for the Athletic is because your journalism is top notch. And by the way, if you're an Athletic subscriber, uh, you can get all of Jason's work. Just go to theathletic.com/slash/theoutsideworld. Um, you'll get uh, professional unbiased and independent journalism which is incredibly important in today's information age where every single day you can get information at your fingertips and you never really know what's real or what's not but i promise you when you're an athletic subscriber um, what you get is 100 percent good reporting especially from from our friend here uh jason kersey uh, we'll have an, a subscriber episode for Oklahoma fans and maybe LSU fans. Maybe we get some LSU listeners this month, Jason. I hope people so. Checking in, yeah. People checking in on on their opponent um, in the Peach Bowl, and we'll, we'll have a subscriber-only episode for you later this week. Uh, you'll get all, all of Jason's coverage as well on the written side of things. And we're not going anywhere. Uh, we're counting down to this this semifinal matchup, and and it's a big one. It's Lincoln Riley versus Ed Orgeron. Who would have thought, Coach O, the number one seed in the college football playoff with Heisman Trophy winner Joe Burrow. I mean, my goodness, it's hard to believe I'm actually saying that, and it's not a joke. But I'm telling you, Jason, this is going to be my final thought for the show today. I'm telling you, keep sleeping. And Oklahoma is, is, is possibly in, a, in position to pull one of the biggest upsets of this college football season. And – the only way that you can do that is when people are sleeping. Keep sleeping. If the national media wants to sleep on Oklahoma, do it. If LSU wants to sleep on Oklahoma, do it. Because those are the things that motivate football teams. And Oklahoma is going to show up in Atlanta later this month, and not one person except for Oklahoma fans in that building will legitimately think Oklahoma has a chance. And sometimes that can work out. And, and, and really help you pull a big-time upset. I, I think that you owe it to the listeners, John, too. I mean, as the president of the Jalen Hurts fan club, do you want to let everybody know where the next meeting is? Yes. Um, it's at uh, – <laughs> I was going to give my address out, but I figured maybe that's probably not the best idea. <laughs> so when you get to Charlotte, just hit me up on Twitter, at John Hayes on air. Uh, shoot me a DM, and I will, uh, I'll meet up with you. And by the way um, – Jalen Hurts' statistical season has been phenomenal. 3,600 yards passing, 1,200 yards rushing. That is un. 
unbelievable. He's in the top five in the power five in passing yardage, and he's in the top 20 of, of rushing, not just for quarterbacks, for running backs too in college football. This guy does it all. But, Jason, you hit the nail on the head, my friend. Listen, just because I'm a big fan of the guy doesn't mean I'm not willing to, to look at his deficiencies and say that they could be a problem. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, no, but but this is real. This is real. Seriously, like you turn the ball over and you make bad judgment on zone read plays. That's a really easy way to lose this game and not just lose the game, lose the game by 20 points. No doubt. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I like I can't stress to you, Jason, like legitimately, you know, after sitting with you this entire season and talking about Oklahoma football, um I can't stress enough how this team is being slept on. Like, do you not get that vibe? Oh no! Like, like I said, there's no question about it. We're talking. It is. It is absolutely true that everyone sort of believes that that there are three great teams and one team that's here because somebody had to be invited. Um, you know, the they're the. Uh, um, well, it's a it's a bad analogy, and I and I actually used this on the Andy Staples show yesterday, and it's a bad analogy. But you know, it's like uh, if there were five teams and they were the fifth one, they're the fifth wheel. <laughs> but there are four teams, and a car runs really well with four wheels. So it's it's a shitty analogy, I know, but but okay, but I think it wor- makes uh, sense. <laughs> okay, let's work on the analogy because this is what I do. I'm a producer. I'm an audio producer. I've been in many pre-show meetings, Jason, where we sit there and we talk about analogies. And I think that you're on to something. You're missing one final ingredient. You know what they are? They're the fourth wheel, but the tire's flat. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Well done. Use well that. Done. Use that over the, when you're doing interviews over the next three weeks. Steal that one from me. You can have it, and I'll, I'll charge about five cents for royalty. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll Venmo you. <laughs> Thank you very much. It, it's the outside world. Uh, remember, subscribe. It's 40% off if you use this link, theathletic.com slash world. It's less than a latte a month for the best Oklahoma Sooners coverage, not only in this country, but in the world. It's always a pleasure, Jason. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, man.